Join us, Sarah and Georgia, as we help you get to grips with money and take control of your finances in a fun and simple way. We talk all things money from investments, pensions and benefits to your mindset around money and steps we can take to improve your relationship with money. Together, we've got this. Hi, welcome to episode seven of the Money Confidence Podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Georgia. And last week, we left you on a cliffhanger. Ooh. (laughs) So the question, Georgia, can you remember the question from last week? Yeah, it was. You were going to contribute £20 into my pension. How much is that amount gross? So we'll give people a few minutes or a few seconds to just say it out loud. (laughs) So if I put £20 net into George's pension, how much is that gross? So the answer is... £25. £25 smackers. (laughs) (laughs) £25. So that's £20 net, and then you get the 20% basic rate tax relief added. So then you get the £5 added, so that's £25 gross. That was quite um, a lot of anticipation for everyone, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So if you got that right, well done. Amazing. Right. Okay. Shall we crack on? This week we're doing like a quick fire question, top 10 questions round. Okay. You fire away first, Georgia. What, with my question? Yeah. (laughs) Just if you could just bear with me. (laughs) Hit me with it. So, Sarah, what is a nomination of beneficiary? Okay, a nomination of beneficiary in relation to a pension is basically where you want your pension to go on your death. So it's like a death benefit nomination form, also called an expression of wish form. So basically, make sure that um, on your pension, you've nominated someone to receive the benefits on your death. Yeah, so it could be someone or it could be like a charity or an organisation or something, couldn't it? It could. It could be the Donkey Trust. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, right. Hit me. Oh, question two, Georgia. When should I start contributing into a pension? As soon as possible. The sooner you start contributing, the lower your monthly contribution needs to be because you'll be able to continuously do it for a longer period of time. It could also mean that you could invest in some riskier investments because your time to retirement is so long away. But obviously, no guarantees on better returns or anything like that. But basically, it's as soon as possible, as soon as you can. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Do you want to ask me a question? I'm just thinking on that. um, I saw someone today who's an apprentice um, Mm. at a law firm and she's under 22 because you have to be 22 and over to get automatically enrolled. But if you're under 22, you can't ask to be enrolled and the employer has to contribute. Point is that if you don't have any income at the end of the month, then maybe you should wait until you get a pay rise because yeah. she, she wasn't contributing to a pension, but she had her pay was so low and she didn't have any money at the end of the month. So she was going to wait until later on in the yeah. year when her pay increased. Yeah. So it's definitely important for it to be affordable to you, but the sooner you start, the better. Yeah. Is it me? Is it me or no, it's you. Right. Yeah. So Sarah. If I have a state pension, why do I need to contribute into a personal pension? 
The reason why, Georgia, is because for a state pension, you don't get that until state pension age, which is getting longer and longer, and you've got no control over that state pension age. Also, a state pension, depending on your um, standard of living, would probably not cover your expenditure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's so common, isn't it, for people to think, oh, well, I've got my state pension, I don't need like anything else, that'll, that'll set me up for life. And you never know what the government's going to do. No, because at the moment it increases by the triple lock agreement, but they've changed those rules, haven't they? I think at the moment it's by the highest of 2.5% or inflation. So, yeah, the government have put a suspension on the average earnings component of the triple lock from April. So, the triple lock has been temporarily replaced with the double lock. So, it's basically it will even increase by the highest of inflation or 2.5%. So, the increase in earnings is not being taken into account at the moment and also with a state pension with the new single state pension when you die it ends so your spouse doesn't receive any benefits from your state pension yeah Um, so it's really important to have your own personal pension and build that up as well and the sooner you start like we said before the better because then you get that compound compounding effect and yeah, the sooner you start, the uh... the better. <laughs> the sooner, the better. And you don't notice it because it comes out of your pay straight away. Yeah, exactly. The next question is, Georgia, what are the benefits of having a pension? Well, that's that is a very good question, Sarah. I know I do come up with good questions. <laughs> You've um given me some excel good... myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say obviously like. There's quite a few benefits. So one of them being the tax relief at your marginal rate that you get from the government, which we spoke about last week, about how that's calculated and how you can get that back if you're a higher or additional rate taxpayer. Also, if it's um, an employer pension scheme, you get extra money from your employer. Who doesn't want extra money? So they have to give you a minimum of 3% per month if you're automatically enrolled into your pension. Also, you get a tax-free lump sum from the age of 55 currently going up to the age of 57 in 2028. And then I think as well, like it's a good option for people who aren't necessarily the best at saving because you can't access it. You know, you can't do that thing of, oh, I'm going to put a £1,000 in savings and then three months later you take it out it has to stay there then until you reach that um pension age yeah so then you have to use it for your retirement yeah which is what it's intended for yeah exactly so yeah there's quite a few benefits definitely numerous benefits of having a pension (laughs) yeah it's good to have a pension with other things you know like your pension's your long-term retirement pot and then you'll have a pot for your medium-term needs yeah lots of little pots for your immediate needs yeah exactly and your goals Exactly. It's good to split your money up, isn't it? So for different objectives and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Sarah, when can I access my pension? So at the moment, you can access your pension anytime from the age of 55 for a defined contribution on money purchase pension. So they're the pensions that are invested in the marketplace. This is increasing, as you said, George, earlier to age 57 from 2028 um, for a defined benefit final salary scheme the age where that comes into payment will be stated on the scheme rules will be stated on your statement yeah. so the next question georgia is how much should i contribute into my pension so when i first saw this question actually right mm-hmm. i was thinking about how much should should you contribute i think because that's firstly, what the question is well yeah yeah but you know everyone's different aren't they so 
I think firstly, the first and foremost thing is it has to be affordable. You know, you have to be able to pay your bills comfortably before you even consider doing a lot into your pension. So I think that is the first thing. Whatever amount it is, it has to be affordable. And obviously with auto-enrollment, so into your employer's pension scheme, the minimum you should put in is 5% in order to get your employer's 3%. So that is the absolute minimum you should contribute. Can I put in a minute? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, so it's 5% gross, isn't it? So that's 4% oh, yeah, sorry. net plus 1% tax relief. As in like the 5% is like your your contribution, it's a 4%. Tax relief is 1%. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Your contribution is 3%. And you should also ask your employer whether they will match your contributions because some mm. if you increase yours, some of them will increase their contributions as well into the pension. So that's yeah, really, definitely. I was going to say, pumping up your pension. Yeah. Um, so that's really... <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. What's the word I'm looking for, Georgia? That'll really bump up your pension. Bump up your pension. <laughs> Not pump it up. Got to pump it up. Don't you know? Pump it up. I have that like, song in the background. <laughs> the pension gets <laughs> The pension pot. Okay, oh, question God. to you, Georgia. Yeah. Oh, no, it's your question now. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're getting ahead of yourself. You're too busy quizzing me. <laughs> <Butted in. laughs> so what happens to my pension when I die? Okay, so for a defined contribution on money purchase pension, which is, for example, what most workplace pensions are, on your death, it very much depends on how flexible your pension is and whether they offer something called beneficiary drawdown. So either one, your pension will be paid as a lump sum into the estate of the person you've nominated or the persons you've nominated, or if it offers beneficiary drawdown. For example, if you were a woman and you nominated your husband with beneficiary drawdown, that will go into a pension for your husband and he can draw down on it as or when he wants to. So it remains in a tax efficient wrapper. It's outside of your husband's estate and he can draw in it as and when he wants. So if you were to pass away before age 75, it's all tax-free. If you were to pass away after the age of 75, then it would be taxed at the beneficiary's marginal rate of income tax, but only when they draw it down. So for example, if your husband left it in a pension, there'd be no tax until he started to draw on it. If that and what would sense. happen when he died? Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And then there's another one, isn't there, when he dies? Oh, so on his death, then if he's nominated, for example, his son or his daughter, then the pension can pass down to his son or his daughter. So with flexi access drawdown and with beneficiary drawdown, it could basically pass through the generations tax efficiently while remaining outside the estate for inheritance tax purposes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. them all. <laughs> oh, so now your turn, Georgia. Okay, Georgia. Yeah. Georgia. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia on my mind. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you never heard that. No. Oh. So you your parents to used to play. No. You... <laughs> Georgia, how much do I need in my pension to retire comfortably? Again, Sarah, I think this is a question that does depend from person to person, and it is always best to speak to your financial advisor. But I think as a general rule, some people use the 50 to 70 rule. So 50 to 70% of your current annual earnings you'll need each year in retirement. Just using an example, I've written down a little example. Yeah, if you earn £50,000 now at the age of 64, 
in retirement, if you need between 50 and 70%, I've just taken the middle figure, so 60%. So you'll need £30,000 per annum in retirement. What you can then do is look at your life expectancy, which (laughs) is a bit harrowing. But at the moment, for a male age 65, your life expectancy is 85, I'm afraid to say. And for a female... Um, your life expectancy is 87 because we are obviously far far superior yeah. if you're age 65 it's I thought it'd be more than that you know I don't know why no that's if you're 65 now so it might be different if oh you're like, right so then when I get to that age I'll be like yeah, to yeah. over 100 yeah exactly well, obviously of course you will I'll be one of them and then freeze the things oh is that what you're hoping to do really. you'll need really even wanna... extra in retirement then but I won't be doing anything I'll be just be laid in a oh freezer. that's true although I need the, like the electricity cost of people yeah you'll have to pay quite high yeah exactly <laughs> so um yeah so we could say about thirty thousand pounds per annum is what you'd need in retirement so obviously you do get the state pension which is currently nine thousand six hundred twenty seven pounds per year and so that would basically mean you need to make up the difference of twenty thousand three hundred and seventy three pounds each year so if for example for a woman if we multiplied that twenty thousand three hundred seventy three pounds per year by her 22 year life expectancy we'd get 550,000 pounds does that take into account inflation no and this is the thing so none of this takes into account inflation and it also doesn't take into account things like care home fees that could increase the amount you'll need because that's you know about 50,000 at least per year and that increases like massively each year. Do you want to just mention about the safe withdrawal rate? So there's something called... Are you talking uh, about like income sustainability? Yeah. Okay, there's something called the safe withdrawal rate. And it's a very, very rough guideline. It's about 4%. So just say you have a pension pot of 500,000 at retirement and you draw 4% of that each year, then that should last you throughout your retirement. So it's just a very, very general guide as to sort of how much income a year your your pot will be able to give you. For your lifetime. Yeah, for your lifetime. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's good to know. We're coming up to the last last couple now, folks. Right, so Sarah. Yes. What happens to my pension if I leave my employer? I think this is your last question, Georgia, for me. Yeah, um, it is. You're lucky. <laughs> if you leave your employer, you'll obviously stop contributing to your workplace pension and mm-hmm. your employer will stop contributing to that workplace pension. You could, if you wanted to, carry on paying personal contributions to that pension if you wanted to. Yeah. So when you go to a new job, when you go to a new job, you'll be automatically enrolled into their workplace pension scheme as long as you're 22 or over and earning over £10,000. If you're 16 to 22, you can opt in and your employer will have to contribute if you're earning over a certain amount. And that certain amount is 6,240 a year. So when you start a new job, you'll get you'll be enrolled in their workplace pension and your employer will have to pay at least 3% and you'll have to pay 4% plus the 1% tax relief, which is added. Yeah. It gives a total of 8%. Um, so um, you can, if you wanted to transfer your previous pension into your workplace pension, if they allow it. 
but I would seek professional financial advice regarding that. Definitely at all times. Pensions are so tricky. It's so important for people to get advice. Which leads nicely on to the last question for you, Georgia. Go on. Hit me with your best shot. (laughs) (laughs) It is. The last question of the day is, how do I know, Georgia, if my pension is any good? As in, okay, so yeah, that, that, that last pension I had in my last workplace, like what should I be looking for? What should I be comparing that with, with my current workplace pension? Right. So that is another top-notch question from you, Sarah. I I need to like up my question skills, I think. They just come up my head. I don't even think. You're just a star, a star amongst the clouds. (laughs) (laughs) No one's ever said that to me before. (laughs) So I think obviously I've caveated this so many times. Speak (laughs) to an advisor always. But in general, the things to look out for is your charges. Are your charges high, low? Are you happy with your charges? You know, you, you've got pensions where the ongoing management charge dependent on fund value is like 0.4%, including funds. And then you've got others which are close to 2%. So it's really, really important to look at that. Um, and then what investment choices they have. So do they have a big range of investment choices, a small range? Are the ranges suitable for you um, and the different types of funds available? So there's things like lifestyle funds, which you can invest in initially and they'll kind of reduce the risk of your assets as you get closer and closer to retirement. And then just how, go on, go on, Sarah, I can see your face. I just wanted to say that a lot of workplace pensions, they put you into a default lifestyle strategy, Mm. whereby as you come closer to retirement, the risk decreases. Yeah. So you get more and more invested in cash and less and less invested in equities, basically. So, you know, you could have a little investigation yourself, look at what funds there are around and what the performance is. But, you know, it is probably best to speak to a financial advisor. And in addition, the flexibility of those pensions, you know, are you able to take an income from it flexibly? Or do they just allow you, because with some of the older pensions these days, they only allow you to do things like buy an in-house annuity. Um, So it's important to look at that. And, you know, if you're not happy with the pensions, speak to an advisor, seek financial advice and transfer it to somewhere better. Yeah. And also just check whether it offers beneficiaries drawdown. Yeah, yeah. Which is the death benefits, what the death benefits of the pension are, basically, whether they just pay a lump sum into the beneficiary's estate or whether they will keep it within a pension and then your beneficiary can draw in it however they want. Yeah, so just check the the death benefits. And you can just contact your pension provider to find out the ongoing charges, where it's invested and the death benefits and the flexibility when you come to take the pension. Yeah, cool. And that's it. That wraps up. This the 10 question episode, challenge. The 10 question challenge that I think we successfully completed. We're going to have a question though, Georgia, for. Oh, yeah, for the um, listeners out there. <laughs> for Test... them two listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, those you two. Hi, listeners. Mom and Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do a question that will be From what age can I access my pension? I think that is a good question. Just repeat that, Georgia. So from what age in 2022 can I access my pension? Thanks for joining us on our 10-question pension challenge. Next week, we're going to talk about, oh, it's Georgia's favourite, IHT. What does that stand for, Georgia? Because IHT. Inheritance 
tax inheritance tax George yes. loves inheritance tax don't you I do I absolutely love it what do you like so much about inheritance tax and what I find interesting about it is that there's ways to get around paying a massive tax charge on death <laughs> everyone likes to not pay money if they don't have to I just like I see it as like a way of getting like a bargain yeah but you don't get the bargain you know what I mean it's the people that you pass yeah, it on to or that donkey true. sanctuary yeah that is true <laughs> that donkey sanctuary anyway the donkeys would be happy that is true that is, that is... <laughs> so that's it for this week next week we're talking about inheritance tax we look forward to seeing you then see you then bye bye all views expressed in this podcast are our own and not our employers the information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice as always take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions investments can go down as well as up and you might not get back the amount you put in especially if you take your money out too early Investments may be subject to tax. The impact of taxation and any tax reliefs depends on your circumstances.